0: Futurized goes beneath the trends to track the underlying forces of disruption in technology, policy, business models, social dynamics, and the environment. I'm your host, Trunarne Unheim, futurist, author, investor, and serial entrepreneur. Join me as I discuss the societal impact of deep tech, such as AI, blockchain, IoT, nanotech, quantum, robotics, synthetic biology, and more, and tackle topics such as entrepreneurship, trends for the future of work. On the show, I interview smart people with a soul. Founders, authors, executives, and other thought leaders, or even the occasional celebrity. Futurized is a bi-weekly show preparing you to think about how to deal with the next decade's disruption so you can succeed and thrive no matter what happens. Futurized. Conversations that matter. In this episode of the podcast, the topic is imagining robotic consciousness. Our guest is Gary Bangier, polymath, futurist, and author. In this conversation, we talk about the technologies and the worldview underpinning his sci-fi novel, Unfettered Journey, which is set in the year 2161. If you're new to the show, seek particular topics, or looking for a great way to tell your friends about it, Go to futurize.org slash episodes, and you will find uh, collections of episodes organized by topic. That will help listeners get a taste of everything that we do here. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please go to futurize.org slash store, and we will consider all brands that have a demonstrably positive contribution to the future. Before you do anything else, please make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter on futurist.org. Thanks so much. Let's begin. Gary, how are you? Welcome.
1: Well, hello, Trond. I'm delighted to be here today and have a conversation with you about the future.
0: Yeah, and you're among the people that have gone pretty deep into not just the next decade, but far beyond that. And I'm super excited to have you on and we'll explore a bunch of different things. But before we do that, Gary, I thought, you know, your background, as it would have to be for someone who has a very serious opinion and a fact-based view about the f- fairly distant future you know, not only is it interesting and accomplished, but it's somewhat eclectic also. And I, and I wonder, as you grew up in the Midwest town of Richmond, Ohio, uh, did you have any idea what you would end up doing over the le- next sort of 40, 50 years?
1: <laughs> very little, very little. Uh, I was—I uh, grew up in a very sort of uh, average middle-class kind of uh, household, and I—I uh, I loved math and science. Um, but um, I realized that um, I quite honestly didn't have enough money to, to do a lot of things that I might do. And so I decided that I would go uh, the business route and uh, you know take my chances that way. So that's kind of how my business career uh, um, kind of started out. And, uh, and then I always had an urge to go back to the science and math. So.
0: Well, there are a bunch of things in your history that... Um, Makes a lot of sense to me now that I am about forty-eight percent into your, uh, you know, one of your books. Uh, but but I'll 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 leave that hanging a little bit. But anyway, I'm j- just getting to the part with where nature starts to play a role, I think in the book, that's what I'm guessing. But either way, you know, you have this interest both and, and this self-reliance from, from this background, you know, being uh, a- around the natural ecosystem environment. And then, like you said, you know, you, you then moved into business and to the Californian tech industry, uh, moved up uh, the ranks and became eBay's uh, CFO. Um, but then you, you kind of jumped not just off the grid, but you jumped into another grid, got yourself a philosophy degree, theory of mind, no less. And, uh, well, I guess found your time to, uh, to make some wine. And, uh, the whole story here is, uh, well, it's fascinating. What, 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 what keeps you up at night? Um, I guess let's start there.
1: Well, John, John, there, there, you know, there's so many interesting things to do in life, and and why just do one thing? So, um, yeah. I wanted to, you know, live life to the fullest, and that means trying different things. So, um, right. so, um, you mentioned that in my my tech background. I spent almost 30 years in tech, uh, and I had yeah. the fortune to uh, participate in a lot of different technologies, everything from life sciences to computer peripherals to uh, chip design um, video over the internet what we're doing now the basis of that and then and then the internet itself and so uh, that gave me an understanding of tech and i have been thinking then about what how this evolves Uh, you know we've all seen how much change has happened in the last two decades so much since the iphone was invented only in 2007 right and um, so there's a lot of folks worrying about where that will take us uh,
0: yes and and but you then chose to uh i now speaking very specifically about your novel the uh unfettered journey which sets uh in 2161 very specifically which is you know significantly more than 100 years ahead of where we are now almost 150 with a world that i have started to get into and i want to explore with you uh that raises a a bunch of different questions but not all of questions that people have on their minds right now or or you raise them in slightly different way and you i guess you bring it to life in uh in a very perplexing way i i find (laughs) um
1: yeah, so. But here's
0: the here's the big question I, I really have for you uh, about 2161. Are we going to make it to 2161?
1: <laughs> well, I'm an optimist, uh, and also I have a sort of hard science engineering view, and you know I I, I then tend to look at how will we continue to use our technology to try to move ahead uh, humans have been very very resilient throughout um, you know all of the last million years i guess and so i, I still have some optimism about that um among my back, the other things in my background i'm on, on the board of the santa fe institute which right. um, is a leader in complexity science and nonlinear dynamics and uh, collaborative research among multidisciplines, and uh, and uh, so uh, I think the world is a complex adaptive system, um, and uh, that means uh, I think it's really hard to predict what will happen, you know, next year, right? <laughs> it's just uh, uh, that's the nature of the world, um, but um, I do think we can look at. The major trends, and if you think about it with a hard science view, what is highly likely? um, So, not crazy stuff, (laughs) because I think science fiction and a lot of futures can be that take the extreme, but you know, what is highly likely? And I think then that where we cannot um, easily predict at all what will happen short term, I think we can see some longer term trends, and where that ends up is where I think we should focus. So, yeah. And that, and then that also, I think, helps us focus on the real problems that face humanity,
0: right? Well, and let's talk about some of those uh, specifically. But I, I just wanted to maybe start the conversation this way. Because, yes, your book is a lot about hard science. You describe a world that is shaped by progress in, in a bunch of fields. You know, computer science, for sure. Biological sciences. Uh there is a whole situation around how the world according to you would have handled the uh, ecological the current ecological crisis and the climate change and other things which you seem to think is kind of within science's control but then you have this other aspect in your book and you know we're not going to go into the details because i think people should read the book but there's something here about how human the human mind throughout all this, Uh, by and large, you know, kind of wants to stay unchanged, but of course is pressured by all these systems and wants to also get into sort of an optimizing mode where, uh, you know, at least at the top of society, you kind of adapt to a new system. You evolve into a new governance model. I mean, every... Society right has has various governance models and 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 the one that you uh, that I'm gathering right I'm in the middle of the book this is actually a great point to be. This governance model has its own problems. So yes. I guess my question to you is simply: one thing is that technology is based on science that may or may not develop, but a whole other thing is how will the elites and you know what are the elites in this? Context, I guess for you, it's mostly sort of scientists of various degrees, and how will the rest of us react to it? So let me just pose it as a as a general observation okay. that yes, it's hard science, but it's also hard minds, right? Because we are yeah. stubborn creatures.
1: <laughs> well, you've uh, you've teed up a lot of topics uh, there in a row, and uh, let's try to unpack those. Maybe uh, Trond, I'm I'm thinking uh, we can get to the end about consciousness because that is one of my major themes uh yep. backing up before that economics and how do i think the, the, the that is likely to evolve and then maybe uh, first though to pick a couple of these other issues about issues how do we get from here to there so if we can do yep. it in that order maybe so yep. um so so uh, let's see easy close in um you know climate change clearly climate change is a major issue for us an existential issue for humankind Um, i totally believe that the science is there um and um and it's going to be messy to (laughs) solve the problem um we need to to build the um the um momentum to do that i I just recently uh, finished um uh, stanley robinson's book uh the ministry of the future um that's being lauded around as, um, as pointing to some things we need to do. And, and he has also a view that maybe we can get there. <laughs> um, um, I have in my book the idea that we, we do seem to be getting it under control. Um, this is a long-term issue. <clears throat> it's going to take centuries to solve that problem. Um, and uh, and it will get bad, I think, before um, we get our hands around it, um, if we can. Um, I think that a key is to get away from carbon for um, energy. So I imagine a world where we have nuclear and then ultimately fusion power. Um, you know, and of course, those supplement wind and solar. And we have carbon um, capture and uh, sequestration. So that's that's sort of a, that is a background detail in the book. Um, there's been the climate wars, <laughs> and the climate wars are fighting over limited water and other resources, and um but we can see, as as the character says in the book, um, it looks like we can get back to some baseline in 17 centuries, <laughs> okay? Um, and that's, I think, the reality of the climate change issue. So it's 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 a long term problem. So so that's yeah. One, so
0: I mean, you're not here. underestimating the problem, and you're you just simply saying it's actually technically fixable. It's just a question of even if it is technically fixable, when will we decide to solve it? And then once we decide to solve it, even then it is a long, well, the fix is a long fix. I'm, I'm kind of curious. I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not in, in this stage of the book, where I really have understood much about what nature looks like in this 2161 of yours. But I mean, on my own, I kind of fear that, you know, biodiversity took millions of years to develop on earth, right? So even if we fix the problem, the kind of biodiversity that we have seen over the last few hundred years and thousands of years may be somewhat difficult to reproduce. Very, very reproduced very quickly if we destroy some, you know, much. That's,
1: of- and that's and that's true. And so, but but it, this is not a book about climate change, but I I think it is one of the key issues. And so, you know, for example, in the book, in the year twenty one sixty one, um, Venice is gone it's underwater. Right. Uh, and, right. Underwater, uh,
0: and, basically. Yeah.
1: Well, essentially, if, if you think about the, if the water rises uh, by a meter, uh, one can't move the gondolas under the bridges. And so it'll probably uh, no longer will be interesting. Uh, you know, Mumbai and, and Jakarta have had to relocate. So, so that's sort of the backstory on that major issue. Um, but again, that's not my focus. I think I think then that, and I'm hopeful that we can get our act together as humans to, to figure out how to get through that. But, uh, you know, it'll be warmer and uh, and um, it will be more difficult. But again, this is a long term problem. Uh, you know, we're we're going around now yelling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. That's true, but the sky is taking a really long time to fall. I think, in the long term, and to f- hold the sky back up (laughs) so it's a big problem (laughs) right right. all right so 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 that's the environment and then and then you wanted to
0: get to 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 economics one so you know and before that though
1: and before that i think the the so you know looking ahead to a a century plus i think that the two greatest technological um uh, bits of technology that will affect our future as humans are number one bioscience and number two, AI and robotics, yep. and um, and I would argue that the first will be tremendously uh, important. Uh, you know, we'll we'll cure cancer in a 140 years, I believe. Uh, right. We'll live longer. Uh, I don't believe we'll live forever, uh, but I think we will live longer. Um, and but we won't notice <laughs> because in the same way that you know we no longer have polio. Uh, 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 you know, affecting us in our daily lives, um, uh, we won't notice the fact that we don't have these other diseases affecting us. So, 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 and so this that's idea that of way. living
0: longer, right? I mean, that's something that actually has happened even in, in this century alone. And you know, we're, we're sort of stating it as a fact, as if nothing changes. But you know, if if uh, as a population, we live until we're uh, 80 in, instead of living until we're 40 or 50, that that's a big deal. And and is it that kind of scale change you think will happen over 100 years, or is well- it more than that?
1: Well, that's interesting because, um, you know, there are some, um, you know, longevity folks and I I won't name names, but, you know, they think that we're close to singularity and we will just, um, you know, live forever. And I just think that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, horseradish. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's somewhat silly.
0: I was more, I was more curious, you know, a more mainstream sort of modest view here is we won't catch up with aging, but we might uh, delay aging. Uh, at least the elites will delay aging, and I guess that's part of it. The, the society you're envisioning as well is very stratified, isn't it? Yeah. So, so oh, I yeah. guess I, I guess that's an important distinction because yes. eventually I want to get to that issue. There's a, yeah. there's, there's a social justice theme in your book uh, that I think you know. But let's work our way through the te- technologies okay. first. So,
1: so so that's so yeah, So in my book, I uh, you know the main character says you know I'm 31 years old. I've lived a quarter of my life. Already. Yeah. What have yeah. I What have I done already? So, uh, you know, that's probably a stretch based upon some of my associates and uh, colleagues um, and some boards. The Gladstone Institute, for example. And um, there's a lot of longevity research going on here in California. But yeah, I think. Uh,
0: but it's reasonable that, to believe that the average will hover beyond 100 years old. And for some elite population that has access to all these sensors and, and vitamins and, you know, better things than that and treatments and stuff that. We will approach 120 plus. That's essentially
1: what you're saying. Mm, yeah, close. Um, you know, if if one were to eliminate all cancer, I think the median age would increase by six years. If you increase yeah. all heart disease, um, all of those sorts of diseases, um, it uh, if you eliminate all of them, it would uh, increase um, longevity median by four years. Um, so, and then the the next great large group of um, diseases bring it down by another two years. So it's it's very hard to eke out a decade right on the median so yeah it's uh 120 years uh median is a stretch <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, okay so that's that's bioscience so now but let's move then to the other one ai and robotics and i think this one will be the the technology that has the greatest effect on humankind over this next um century but that it will take longer than some of the pundits believe so um
0: And what is the main reason it'll take longer in your mind? Is it the uh, pathways of technology, like we'll take some wrong pathways and it'll take us time to recover from it because it's not going to be as promising as certain smart people think? Or is it more this sort of social uh, adjustment effect of realizing what the technology is going to actually take to kind of spread around the globe? What what are some of the issues that you think is going to make it take longer than the the optimists have it?
1: It's, it's the more the latter of those two. I mean, I use the analogy of the automobile. You know, uh, Henry Ford, early 1900s, invented the uh, mass-produced mass automobile. Um, um, but it's taken a, a, a century for us to get all the pieces to make it really the car we have today. You know, you need the, the road structure and infrastructure. You need the um, legal structure. What happens when uh, these robots, you know, injure or kill people? All of that will take, you know, uh, we're seeing that with self-driving cars. So so all yep. of this will take longer. But I'll argue that the engineering um, uh, project is an A to Z kind of thing, uh, that we can see the end result of uh, robots getting better and better. Um, you know, we will uh, get better control. We'll figure out uh, all the unknown unknowns, <laughs> and 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 uh, uh, and and so speak of a process- phrase
0: that got a life of its own. <laughs> I don't think the individual who <laughs> uttered that has realized the scope of that. <laughs> when yes. Rumsfeld said that, right? Everyone is using I, I, it's a it's a great phrase, by the way. It really <laughs> deserves to go into history. But I, I love it that you used. Yeah.
1: yeah. So 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 I, I. But I don't think that uh, you know, like some uh, worry about the the um, bot apocalypse when they will suddenly come out and kill us. I I think more likely they will be annoying for a very long time. You know, they just won't get it quite right. So, uh,
0: well, so, so so here's my question on that because. Yes, the, the bot uh, copalypse, yes, but isn't it really the people we should be more scared of, right? So, you, you know, theoretically, yes, the bots could turn against us, but it seems, uh, well, a little bit based on just being in the middle of your book, but also just knowing human nature, right? It's much more likely, at least in my mind, that groups of humans would develop agendas and then use technologies as, as the tools they are, you know, we already have tools of mass destruction, Uh, we will just simply have a much greater panoply of tools and there will be groups of people that will start using these in systematic ways uh, that will be problematic. I mean, that certainly is a danger. Certainly true. Certainly true. And maybe more dangerous than than the bots themselves turning on us. And, but, well,
1: well, well, we can see already that you know, and we can imagine the military is investing heavily in this. It's um, they think it's a good trade off to you know put a machine out there rather than a person. Um, um, we'll have we'll have robots that will be um, you know guarding the borders. In my book, I think that's completely um, likely uh, to happen. And and then you know, what are the limits on that? Uh, there's already uh, legal legal um, debates about. Uh, you know, uh, autonomous uh, weapons, right? And and should we have added to the uh, international conventions restrictions on those, right? And uh, yeah, so that's an important uh, that's an important debate. So so, uh, so yeah, so the the uh, robots, as I said, I think that's the greatest thing. That maybe we can turn out the economics because I think that's this is where I get to my more likely kind of scenarios. Is, so if you think about robots. Um, Becoming better and better. And so, this is in many ways in, in, uh, in, uh, a continuation of the trend of automation in factories. You know, you automate as many steps as you can. You've got the robots, um, and, you know, taking more and more of the steps away, and pretty soon you have everything automated, like the Tesla plants, like the Amazon warehouses, where they're, those are their objectives. Um, um, so again, I think this will take a long time. Uh, some of my my Harvard Business School colleagues um, in the went on to the robot industry um, and they, they uh, we've had conversation about how difficult it is. So for example, HP and spending a lot of years finally came to the conclusion that it, uh, they weren't trying to automate a hundred percent because it was too difficult to get rid of the um, casual inspection process that humans added in to automate that so again another reason why it's going to be difficult but i think the economics will drive us to make it more and more and so imagine the world where robots build robots right so so the robots will you know um um, mine the ores smelt the metal you know make the iron uh and steel they will build the factories to build the robots and so uh I, I will argue that there's an economic reason why that will happen, and when that happens, then for the first time in human history, uh, the productivity of humans is divorced from the efficiency per person. Right. The we measure efficiency in terms of labor uh, productivity. Right. And and uh, you know so that will that will go away. Right. Um, the only thing driving that equation then will be the energy cost. Going in to run those things, and so, so there's an and so there is um, there's an economy uh, that um, suddenly produces a lot of stuff. So, uh, I've I've I'm a, I'm a numbers guy, so I ran the numbers and I looked at the spreadsheets, uh, built the spreadsheets that would take our GDP of the U.S. and the GDP of the world. Uh, and ran it forward, and if you take the the rates that we've had just in the last several decades, you know, two, three percent, run them forward by 2161, with an important uh, asterisk on what the population is, um, uh, we will have somewhere between 10 and 20 times as much stuff per person as we do today. So, and that's without even this multiple of robots making robots and then it doesn't matter how many people you have so so um so i think it's highly likely that we'll have a lot of stuff coming out of this um this amazing automated machine and i think that's highly likely
0: hmm. so all of this automation though i mean wh- what is it gonna do to the way uh work looks so in your great question novel right they uh, people work less on average, it seems. but They, they're the reco- of, they're,
1: they have a maximum number of hours, they're allowed, number hours
0: they're allowed to work. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Uh, however, there were economists in the 20s and 30s, as you know, uh, who predicted that this would already happen by the end of the century. Exactly, yes. And yes, that yeah. didn't happen. Are you sort of saying their forecasts were just wrong by 100 years?
1: Uh, uh, or I, is
0: there something new happening now?
1: i think that their forecasts are wrong um, and um, by more than 100 years because the main difference is that they were thinking about still making society more and more productive but they weren't necessarily taking it to the end point when humans are not needed in the equation to make stuff so 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 what i'm saying is at the end of that And that's why I picked that timeframe so far in the future, because I think it will take a lot longer. It's not going to be, you know, there was a McKinsey study a decade ago that said by 2050, 70% of the jobs would be automated. Again, I don't think so. It's just going to be too hard. Again, this is a hard science view. but I do think that the, that they're right in the long term. So, so what does that say? Here's here where here's where we are today. We have you know lots of jobs. Okay, enough jobs. Uh, maybe not the quality of jobs you know, for uh, the less skilled area, and therefore we have you know societal issues with um, with inequality. And now we take that and we go to the end result, where I think is highly likely, where we'll have a lot of stuff. Robots will make robots. There'll be essentially um, very few jobs okay, at all. And um, how do we cross that chasm from now to there without enormous social upheaval? Right. Um, who, who owns the robot factories then?
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so essentially the challenge then, if you are right, that eventually there will be fewer jobs, right? So this is the argument that uh, the robots will indeed take our jobs. We'll have to find something else to occupy our time with. What What, what is in your view that the it that will give meaning to humans? Well, Supposing th- we still mean need that kind of meaning.
1: Yeah, well, I think that is the, that is the, critical question actually how do we find meaning and purpose in a world where we have um you know what's missing is all are all those jobs i mean they'll there will be some left you know and and i think it's a world i asked the question will then um having a job be a privilege right uh, I, yeah um, yeah, right. yeah yeah i mean i had there's a uh, to, to reveal something about the book there's a there's a wise orbital base um you know circling the moon it is a world interstellar um exploration project uh humans are you know looking to build um probes and uh to get to exoplanets uh you know even in 140 years i think we'll be barely leaving the solar system it's just you know the, the uh, einstein's theory of relativity equals mc squared the amount of energy need to accelerate anything uh is ridiculous and i think that theory is well founded and so i think most of science overestimates um, you know, how far we'll be in that many years. I think we'll be still stuck here in this, this solar system. Gary, sh-
0: it's fascinating that you, you say that because, um, I don't know, it was just ticking in from Boston Globe this uh, afternoon. I don't know if you've got a, a chance to see that, but uh, MIT says that a mysterious radio signal had just been detected from a distant galaxy, and it doesn't have the short and kind of uh, nature of all of the other radio signals that have been detected before. In 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 okay. contrast, it has like a systematic pattern. But what you seem to be saying is that we shouldn't worry so much about you know reaching other uh, galaxies. Uh, so if if any, anything is going to reach us, it would have to come from from outside, right? Because yes. we are not going to be able to get to these people. We may be able to contact them if they do exist or these entities. Uh, But we will probably in the foreseeable future, meaning the next few hundred years even, we will not stand a chance with our current technologies, whatever exponential technologies you envision here, we are just not going to be able to travel intergalactically.
1: That's exactly right. And that's that's counter to, you know, the Star Wars, Star Trek idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it <laughs>
0: sounds fascinating, right? And it sounds possible when you see it on the movie screen, but it, there's just an unfathomable amount of energy, you know, on the Kardashev scale, basically, that would be needed to, to get there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, in fact, I think uh, by around 2050, I mean, James Webb is helping uh, that telescope. But sometime we will know um, by 2050 exactly how many and how likely it is that there's a habitable world within, say, you know, 10 or 15 light years from Earth. Right. And so let's say the answer is, um, yes, there's one that's five light years from Earth. And then at that point, humankind will go, well, maybe we can sometime get there. But what if the answer is there's not one within, you know, um, a thousand light years? Then when we, if, if, and we we will probably know the answer to that question by 2050. If that's the answer, (laughs) there's a profound sadness to say that humankind will never, ever, ever leave this solar system, right? So, uh, you know, so there's a whole lot of science fiction that will basically... (laughs) be pretty sad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, right, so the
0: the realistic science fiction folks, the ones making TV shows at the moment, right, they are still talking about Alpha Centauri, right, which is 4.3 light years away. And and that, you know, in your calculations would potentially be reachable, uh, you know, eventually, but all these other Star, right. you know, galaxies will will be so far out of reach.
1: But we we don't know if that's even uh, you know as good as Mars, right? So who knows? So so we'll find out. So uh, yeah. so, so, so 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 I got back to my wise orbital base. But you know the the job to manage that would be a pretty cool job, right? And lots right. of us would like to have that. But if there are if you know if you've got all these robots doing all this stuff, um, then you know, what will we do? I mean, uh, there are now something on the order of 4,000 books being published a day, (laughs) okay? (laughs) So yes, we may, there's one of the arguments is we'll, you know, unleash our creative talents, but- We'll all be uh, doing
0: art. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the, we are all artists.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> hopefully we aren't all just immersed in social media and you know uh, distracting ourselves. So yeah, uh, yeah. My, right, my So book- the
0: economy. So the economy, yeah. though. I mean, it's yes. interesting you take that vantage point, which I guess is familiar to you because that's sort of where you started. And 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 the economy is a very good lens on a, a lot of different things, right? Because yes, if it's not if there's not a business model envisioned for anything you know any whatever amount of technologies we have they they will just die on the vine right so 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 that is important which i guess kind of brings us to the next part because you call it social justice but there are a lot of other social factors that seem to play in and you know as i had the pleasure of reading the beginning of your book you do allude to them and they come into focus, even if it is a very science-based vision that you have of, of the next 130-some years, the social justice picture, or, or more largely the social dynamics, as I would prefer to just think of it because it's a larger canvas, right? These social dynamics will be very interesting to watch as, as you know, we get these opportunities to change, yes, what, yeah, yes. what what sort of process do you envision? Because, right, so it's a complicated system. So Santa yeah. Fe, right, systems thinking. It's a system, but there's still humans in there. And how advanced will we, uh, I mean, how quickly will we evolve? And what are the things that perhaps don't evolve about us as Homo okay. sapiens that, you yes. know, that then brings... I guess stems a little bit this tide or at least
1: complicates it. Okay. So how, that's a great question. How much will we evolve? And again, I think in some of popular um, science fiction and futurism, there's a, this uh, lots of crazy ideas about how we will be so different. You know, we'll be uploading brains, you know, we'll be partly but, cyborgs. And I think that's so much, that's so ridiculous. I think we will be, you know, we're a million year evolved animal. And, um, you know, we've got vision and auditorial signals that have been optimized to outrun the big cats. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we're hard to, and that's, and that's a bottleneck getting between our brain and the outside world. So irrespective of what, how fast computers are, it doesn't matter. It's, it's hard to get past that, uh, you know, 60 bits per second kind of <laughs> input rate. <laughs> so, uh, so you so, don't
0: hold much hope for the neural links of the world. You think they might be helpful to medical cases, but you you don't think that th- th- there's a quick fix in the next 130 years that's going to make any difference really to,
1: I- in terms of making us exactly, a, exactly. Uh, connected,
0: you know, connected directly to the AI.
1: Exactly. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I have a nod to that concept uh, in, uh, you know, we'll be talking and uh, we'll be connecting to our devices uh, like this by um, voice or, or vision. I have a, 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 a line that essentially as a child, you'll learn a, a certain number of keywords and, and yes, there will be a, uh, there could be a link and you can use those to, you know, roughly communicate with something that's like the internet. So uh, maybe we, uh, just to, to give a little bit more concrete example, I have something called the Nest, uh, the neural to external systems transmitter. So you, know, you think about your, you know, your cell phone, well, where will that be in 140 years? It's, it's a chip you know, um, just uh, quickly inserted under the skin behind your ear, right? And it's connected to maybe a corneal um, uh, little implant that's like a little screen, and and all that's connected to um, the internet. I call the net, you know, through uh, electronics. And so you can talk to this phone that's kind of there all the time, and. You can connect and, you know, search (laughs) for something. And then um, my main character, Joe, has an ARMO, an uh, augmented reality map overlay, which is basically, you can imagine you're you've got this corneal implant, you say, uh, where's the closest pizza shop? And, and and it connects to the net and, and you know, it draws a little red line on your corneal implant. And then you just kind of follow it across the landscape,
0: right? However, Joe rejects this, or at least, you know, there's some story there. We're not going to go into what happens then, but just give me a sense of this idea of rejecting technology and these Luddites that you know, started out even in the industrial revolution in Britain, right? They rejected yes. these textile machines and the automation because they felt there's something alienated uh, uh, about the way that it makes life and work. And they, mm-hmm. they just didn't like the effects it had. Yeah. And you're course. projecting some amount of that happening for even for these very advanced technologies. What What is that? Is it people that don't Want their iPhones to become too powerful, essentially, or they draw the border at at you know the connection to their physical bodies, or or is it to do with this, which we should get to, which is consciousness? It's something okay. to do with touching the 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 boundary, the impermeable, crazy boundary of of consciousness.
1: Okay. The biggest so, fear, yeah. So so this is, I think, you can take a direct line from where we are now. You know, we've had Google Glass. You know, imagine Google Glass five point Okay. We can see where this stuff will go there's a huge economic reason for why that will happen you know i mean you can imagine now here you're, you're walking down the champs Elysees, and you know you you uh you know you're you are you you have some program that tells you gives you a little guided tour and if you you see this um, baguette shop and it tells you, geez, that's the best one in Paris. <laughs> you walk into it, you know, suddenly someone's going to get paid a euro for that trip. So, <laughs> so that, that's why it, this is, you know, tens of billions of dollars of, of, of market that will cause this technology to develop. So that.
0: AR travel, yes, but uh, in your world here, it's travel is a privilege.
1: Yes, because we have to worry about the eco effects. That's right, right, Dave. Right. So, so, so this technology. I think the issue is, um, what is the, how far do we go in terms of giving up our privacy yeah. for convenience, right? And, and in this case, um, you know, some people will not want that continued invasiveness. Um, you know, think about Siri, and then think about Siri fifteen right? It's so helpful, and yet it ties you into this continuous chatter, right, of social media, but imagine now it's even on steroids. And, uh, you know, do we want that kind of um, buzz in our head all the time? So I think that's a really important question for the future. Well, Where where will we as individuals want to place limits so that we can actually think?
0: So I want to be on your side there, and I think I am, but just the devil's... uh, Uh, you know, advocate here would say it's just a question of adaptation because, you know, you can, of course, still think. And if you make these choices and, you know, I mean, do you really have to reject this technology altogether or can't you set just meaningful boundaries the way we try to do to our kids and say, you know, after six o'clock, none of that stuff or, (laughs) you know, you've already been on for two hours. I mean, can you not just
1: manage it that way? Well, it'll be a good question, right? I mean, uh, my character Joe—he has his own opinion after a certain amount of time, right? So, yeah, yeah. C- can, yeah. can we can we manage it? Uh, you know, there there's actually some um, anecdotal research; that's not quite conclusive yet, but it suggests that perhaps some of our technology uh, certainly lowers the attention span, like in the millennials, right? And they and you don't follow through the thinking at the same level. I've heard this from uh, some studies of college professors who look at their students coming in and. They're, you know, they're just this try to split attention. The human mind doesn't do that very well. So,
0: uh, OK, Gary, but Plato worried about writing uh, and its impact on on modern thinking. <laughs> and we kind of rejected his idea based on the fact that writing has some intrinsic benefits as well. So, yes, mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to be in the oral tradition. And I, 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 I mean, we have lost something and my jokes are horrible because I, I don't have that. Uh, you know, Homeric, uh, you, you know, ability to, 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 to sort of represent an epos, uh, you know, uh, in front of your eyes, and and yes, there's something lost there. But then, on the other hand, writing came along, and uh, well, you know, yes. it's significant yeah. too.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that, so that I think is one of the questions that I try to raise in the book is, you know, where are the limits, and what what makes one comfortable if you think about the future on that line, mm-hmm. right? So So. So the, 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 social, the social thing, though, I, so you, you, you're alluding to it, but I'll, I'll make it explicit here because I don't think this is too bad of a reveal. And this is a little bit of a conceit for conflict. So, so imagine this uh, scenario where you know, all the jobs pretty much have gone away um, and you've got robots ubiquitous among us. I'm in, I'm, I imagine that they will probably be our, side because, our size because why would we re-engineer trillions of dollars of infrastructure? And so they'll be walking around among us, and you know they'll be the uh, the folks that are serving in the restaurants, and 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 uh, and they'll be doing lots of things. Um, so they're walking around. There's lots of stuff. So in this world, we we have a guaranteed income, and and I imagine that the robot factories are owned by everyone. So the conceit is is that uh, you know as these robots became ubiquitous around the world, certain Countries picked egalitarian answers. And in the US, because we have such a, um, a fixation on property rights, that in fact, what happened was that the oligarchs, when they agreed to give up ownership, uh, they, they pushed through a series of laws called the Levels Acts, which yeah. explicitly divided us up into levels from one at the top to 99 at the bottom and uh and there are certain rights and privileges that go with those and and of course the these these levels are meritocratic right you can move up and down on levels based upon what you do so that's the that's the concept uh some in this society um question whether they are really as uh, much of a meritocracy or in fact is there a legacy component to this Uh, (laughs) and uh and so, th- so I said, this is a bit of conceit. Uh, I'm not suggesting this will happen, but it does point to some of the social pressures that will happen as we make this transition um, economically. And so, and so. so
0: well, it's interesting uh, because you know you were talking about economics earlier, right? If you if you look at the way that most of society has worked out, uh, you know, if you had a legacy economic package from heredity you know your family money or whatever you could somehow compensate for for a lot you can buy yourself smart people who work for you and all that stuff you are kind of envisaging uh or at face value at least when if this levels act really works out is it truly a meritocratic society where you based on your subjective you know intelligence presumably you know move up the ranks but uh but it seems also complicated you can't erase all of these other factors. So meritocracy is a complicated notion, even in a 100 years from now.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, Joe jo, um, says, well, geez, I, you know, I haven't thought about this too much, but, you know, I, I um, you know, I thought I was, you know, you can move up to hard work and, and all that sort of thing and intelligence, uh, but I kind of thought it was more or less for, but maybe it isn't. And uh, a question do we have le- levels today?
0: Well, I mean, there certainly are status levels, right, that aren't just economic.
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah, so, so. I, th- yeah, so, yeah, there, you know, and, you know, who gets into what, Ivy League schools and all that sort of thing. There's, yeah. one, one might argue that, yeah, we have levels today, and so all I'm doing with this um, sort of conceit of the levels acts is to point out how difficult it is to create an equitable society, Right.
0: Um. but gary let's uh, jump to the big one so the hard problem of robotic consciousness and uh, you know i certainly haven't finished even the book so i don't know what uh, joe your uh, protagonist you know ends up thinking but that's kind of the project he goes into a sabbatical at lone mountain college to figure out um but without revealing what he figures out what what, what do you think about the whole idea of consciousness which is where you started your exploration on the philosophical side and it is indeed you know sentience uh, right and and maybe consciousness and then maybe wisdom up there these are the big questions uh where are we on that in 2161 and and does that matter really
1: yeah so well it i think it it certainly does matter um we've we've got a sort of recent discussion with some google engineer that um you know and the their uh, ai lambda um asking whether it was sentient and uh, um you know I, I clearly think that's it's not and we're not even anywhere close that's what most of the experts now say uh yes i started off with this uh going back to get a degree in philosophy of mind and thinking about what is really consciousness who is that uh, what is that i at the center of utrond and and all of our listeners what is that thing really and yeah. uh and uh you know the, the philosophers tend to think that its consciousness needs to be embodied um you know in the world it's uh, certainly a part a result of our our interaction with our world um that consciousness uh, includes something called qualia uh, qualia is this what is it like uh, uh attribute uh you know what is it like to see the red of an apple? What is it like right. to taste that apple? That's a qualia. That's that, that qualia is important to consciousness. And then one can ask whether, um, you know, can that ever be embodied in some kind of AI or machine? And, uh, 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 I was a computer science uh, computer programmer uh, computer science was my undergraduate degree um, and uh, I've written that code too <laughs> and it's, it's a bunch of ones and zeros okay so uh, ultimately and uh, yeah, you know, so can you ever, can you ever
0: I mean individual instances of subjective experience I mean is that is that the fundamental problem that AI and AGI is really trying to solve or or and and will it will it be solved in in kind of in in any reasonable time frame? I guess that's a question saint augustine right three eighty four he was born a d that's a long time ago Descartes like all these philosophers have been thinking about individuality and what constitutes individuality um yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, well, I think it's, there's this fear that we will create, you know, uh, advanced general intelligence, you know, smarter than us, and then it'll take off and that will create a singularity. And then that, um, you know, that robot AI will, you know, take over. Uh, There's a a joke that, uh, well, what if that first computer that, um, you know, does that, reaches AGI is, you know, a paperclip factory? (laughs) Well, then the next thing is the the goal of all of the machines and all the earth is to create paperclips right <laughs> that's aliens will sometime come here and they'll find the earth covered with paper clips, and, and that, that was the end of us so uh you know uh that's so in that regard it's important um i think what do you think it, of that example honestly well i think it's 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 pretty funny and it's uh I mean, we do worry about what happens. You know, people. Some people seriously worry about what happens when um, if um, some computer can suddenly reach that point, because then if you just think about how that works, it can replicate and um, you know in nanoseconds. And now there's no time for us to react. So um, yeah. I, I just I think though that that's highly unlikely ever, ever. Um, I think that. Um, the computers and the AIs will get better and better, and they will fool us. I mean, already deep learning can do some f- amazing things, right? Um, and if you look at the number of l- dimensions that these uh, the software works on, I think Google is now working on 500 billion dimensional models, right? So they're just enormously effective for that. But it only solves one sort of problem. So how do you generalize that? So
0: well I and mean, even if they fool us if these machines are capable of fooling us that's not the same as human intuition or wisdom or consciousness is it
1: no it's not we well we don't think so so this will be the challenge imagine we've got robots walking around among us and they do a pretty good job, and then they get better and better, and they 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 do fewer stupid things, <laughs> okay, yeah. and, and 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 then they tend to answer our questions, and then if you, uh, you know, if you need uh, comfort, you need, and you ask them questions, and they are comfort, comforting, and so those things get better and better. They will start to we will start to anthropomorphize our machines for sure, um, and then that that line between. Are they conscious or not? Will start to blur, and I do think many people will kind of think, well, maybe it, it really is. Um, and then, but 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 will it really have feel? That's sentience, right? And will it really think? That's that consciousness, that I. And um, hmm. and I think that those that's uh, Chalmers in philosophy called that the hard problem of consciousness. Uh, and uh, to get to that level, I think, is extraordinarily difficult, if ever. So I, 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 won't, I won't tell you where my book comes out absolutely <laughs> yet on that topic. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a fundamental question. And uh, uh, so you asked uh, Tron, does it matter? Well, I think what we can actually expect is that they'll get better and better and that they'll fool um, a lot of the people a lot of the time.
0: Well, so then I guess my my last question is, you know, if we are moving into a world where computers and technologies can fool us, isn't it still going to be a question of the the hybrid power of social groups that are, uh, you know, either at the top of your levels act, you know, uh, what they are going to be able to do as a group, or is it going to be more a question of, you know, can the lower levels mount some sort of revolution. I mean, if you think of in, in sort of civilizationary terms, right, the the world rejuvenates or or ends in a certain way, like the, the Mayan civilization ended and other civilizations have ended partly because of resource constraints and issues, but also partly just because people didn't believe anymore in the system that their forefathers and mothers had created and and decided to sort of kind of turn upon their own system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, is is that the kind of cycle we are stuck in also with more advanced technology? Or, I mean, is that a more likely kind of end of these various uh, time eras that you envision going towards 2161 and, and even past it? Or is it eventually possible that technology itself will cause kind of cataclysms that that we should be worried about
1: <laughs> well the last is the is the apocalyptic cancers uh, I, I, I'm a more of an optimist so um, I think that um, you know sci- uh, just to go back to the beginning I think climate change will is an existential threat and that we hopefully will model through and find ways to you know solve that I, I I'm somewhat optimistic I think Um, The climate will be worse than we could hope when we get to there, but it certainly will be survivable. Um, I think that this technology can can do tremendous things to produce lots of stuff. Um, And, um, you know, uh, if we can um, manage to keep our population under control, which the demographic trends suggest, the population will peak at 10 billion and then will decline. So that's probably fine. Um, Can we can we find ways to, uh, to share those resources such that um, we can keep an equilibrium in society? One, one would hope so, because there'll be lots of stuff. So there will be less reason to fight about it. Uh, so we can imagine a kind of utopia there on that regard. For the first time in human history, we'll have enough stuff. And, um, you know, and, and we can read. But stability. you're
0: assuming that stuff is important to people
1: well well it's it's so oh, it has been and uh you know we're, we're we're we we like to we like to you know stick stuff away for a rainy day kind of that's our human nature to make more stuff and have more stuff than we need right uh, and us and bees <laughs> the only animals that kind of save for the future in, in substantial quantities uh, uh so so i mean there is hope that we can get there um and uh and but our but our fundamental human animal nature, I think, will remain. I think will be competitive. Um, um, it will be hard to get people to, uh, you know, sing kumbaya and just be completely zen with one another. Uh, we will. Uh, it's unlikely that that will happen. So, so we'll be very much the same. Human hmm. human people will be. Humankind will be the same as we've been, even with this technology that makes us somewhat uh, different and not quite recognizable but you know I think if you lived in 140 years um, it would you'd have a, a, a momentary um, kind of shock to figure out what's different but then it would feel um, very similar um, and that's that's different than many futurists think they imagine these crazy ones but
0: yeah and Gary that's a comforting message but my question to you sort of at the end tail end here is is that going to be equally possible? Uh, for humans of, I I don't know if these socioeconomic categories make any sense anymore uh, at that point, but, uh, you know, depending how how things, uh, you know, move, as a polymath yourself, I I think it's fair to to say that, right, given the amounts of interests and accomplishments that you have, I can readily foresee that your future won't be very different in the sense that the kinds of things that you can do, if anything, would would only just be amplified and and perhaps more interesting. The challenges will be bigger, the the, the stakes are bigger, and and all of that. And and yes, you know, if you then end up. Uh, Doing things like you enjoy, uh, you know, making organic wine and, uh, you know, walking in the forest, uh, in the rainforest and whatnot. All of those things, I think, hopefully, will still be possible for certain type of people. But if you are more, whatever it means in 100 years to be at the bottom of the ladder, if you drew the lowest cards, whatever that means, do you similarly think that that 20, 50, 80% of population also will have an enjoyable life 130 okay. years from
1: now. great question and so that's my levels you know the last quartile from level 76 to 99 are you know have some limitations uh, uh, y- y- you've read enough of the book and i can tell you that if you didn't notice the analogy uh, the the community dome is actually uh, taken from burning man uh, if you've ever been, it's... <laughs> I,
0: did, I, I did somewhat suspect that, yes.
1: <laughs> it's It's a future Burning Man. Uh, you know, look at the diagram of the place and look at Black Rock City's diagram from the air. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, and, and, you know, can you imagine a future, a more egalitarian society where people value um, their relationships with one another? That's, you know, there are those hopeful potentialities. And, and you know, uh, the can, can one... Um, can one then figure out we'll have lots of stuff so in many ways there is not enough there is not reason for us to um be so at at loggerheads um and so with transparency that's what the internet and that's what technology is bringing us we see into each other's lives more clearly um, all the time and so we understand what it's like um and i think I'll tell you. I end with one story. Um, you know, about a decade ago, I was in Morocco, and we went up to the to visit the Berbers in a village out in the High Atlas Mountains. You had to take a mule to get there, and you know, I, I uh, sat on beaten clay floors, um, drinking tea with a, a young man who lived there, and uh, they had just put um, new um, discs on the uh, roofs to have TV. Um, the King had um, made it possible for everyone to afford that cheaply. And so uh, so when we're drinking our tea, um, I pointed at that and I said, well, you know, what's changed? And he said, uh, now we know what we want. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, so, yes, the world is more transparent. Uh, it's harder to hide injustice. It's harder to hide the differences. And, um, you know, I'm hopeful that with that, we will actually... Um, will will we'll be will will reach you know uh, a higher level of humanity
0: well on that note i think it's it's great for once to end a futuristic discussion on a high note i think optimistic futurists uh, y- you know while y- you know we you may not always be right about every little detail i think perhaps as a attitude it's a constructive one you know in in all of these discussions there will be enough problems so I think the the message, the ultimate message that you present here is is very fascinating and thank you so much um, I will get to the end of this book uh, hopefully by the end of the day it was very, very fascinating thank you for inviting me into your universe
1: and, and I appreciate uh, your, your listeners and I hope everyone um, does what you've done and, and looks for Unfettered Journey, you can find it any place you get books, thank you
0: Thank you so much, Gary. I hope I can bring you back sometime before 2161 to see if there's been an update. (laughs) Okay. All right, okay. You have just listened to another episode of the Futurized Podcast with host Trondarne Unheim, futurist and author. If you're interested in any of Trance products or services feel free to check out futurist.org store where you can book a keynote speech become a sponsor or partner request a podcast swap or buy a few of Trance books such as augmented lean health tech future tech pandemic aftermath disruption games or leadership from below you can also go to trondontime.com his website to check links to other podcasts as well as public appearances The topic in this podcast episode was imagining robotic consciousness, and in this conversation we talked about the technologies and the worldview underpinning uh, the sci-fi novel Unfettered Journey, which is set in the year 2161. My takeaway is that the year 2161 may be a long time from now, but not so long that we should relax and not worry about what the world will look like then. What will be different? What will be the same? And to what degree do we get a choice in the matter? Many questions about the future, but one thing is certain. New technologies will present both challenges and opportunities, and our biological environment will still constrain us to some degree, but will also provide our refuge. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at futurize.org or in your preferred podcast player, and please rate us with five stars. If you like this topic, you may enjoy other episodes of Futurized, such as episode 130, Investing in SciTech Futures. Hopefully, you'll find something awesome in these or in other episodes. And if so, do let us know by messaging us. Please share this show with those you care about, which is easy because we are Futurized on LinkedIn and YouTube and Futurized 2 on Instagram and Twitter. See you next time. Futurized. Conversations that matter.